everybody, welcome to the Holsey Mark podcast show. And tonight I'm talking to Sherry Kirk Endell. She was born and raised in Alliance, Ohio, and bounced between Alliance and Columbus, Ohio, when she was at height in senior and high school. Her dad died when she was three, so she lived with her grandparents until her mum remarried when she was seven and moved to Columbus. Oh, she remarried. I did not get along. So I moved back, fought back six times. I started reading in earnest. When I got to my first pair of glasses, when I was fifth grade, I came in joy of life. I always had a book in my hand. I also wrote imaginary stories in my head, become very involved and lost. More months. I never ever even considered writing them down. There were jeans and monsters chasing me through the streets of Alliance. After I found a secret passageway out of my grandmother's house through a hat collection. In Columbus, the imaginings were more me being someone else who had a better life. I began writing poetry and short stories. I junior Scott high. I saved some of them, but they were destroyed while my grandmother's basement flooded. And later, when I was in charge of a school church newsletter, I started writing short stories, some fiction, some Bible-based, and the majority of which were saved are on notes. I suppose before I get too far down the road, I should mention I married to, at 24 to Jerry. He had he have, had a beautiful daughter, Heather, and had two sons, Danny and Jeff. Heather was two children, Janine and Alexia. Jerry died just after 20, our 25th anniversary. Our son Jeff died not long, not long after that. So I don't write much about during this period because I spent most of my time reading every book I could get my hands on. I can understand that. Uh, you own two businesses. One was a sports card shop, and that was a kind of side thing. We owned a printed circuit board company. Technology changed. I closed. It closed. Also, I, I, I had to deal with a fate, near fatal automobile accident, the effects of which I deal with today. As I mentioned, I don't like the writing. And I'm going to ask you, um, what inspired you to write your books and how do you cope with your disabilities? Well, my hand problem has just gotten bad recently. I can still type if I don't overdo it. But I started Devil's Dump as a serial that ran monthly in our church newsletter. And that went on, I don't know, four to five years. And when I was all done, everybody kept saying, publish it, publish it, publish it, make it into a book. So I sat down and fixed it and made it into a book. And while I was doing that, the second book, Satan's Loophole, was spinning around in my head. And it only took me two months to write that one. Um. Do you enjoy writing a genre of horror? Yes, I do. I don't like love stories. I'm not a romantic. Uh, love, I don't even watch that stuff on TV. I like mysteries, things that scare you. Um, yeah, that's my thing. Or Stephen King was my favorite author for years. Yeah, he he's re, they're redoing the creep show, aren't they? A couple of episodes from the creep show. Oh, do we, I don't watch a lot of TV anymore, so I don't really know. Yeah, 
Well, I like I so like I to write comedy horror. So I, I like I, I sometimes if I have a really bad day or someone's upset me, I can write them in a horror story. Not obviously their name, but based yeah. on their character. Right. Have you ever done tempted to done that? Uh, I don't think I have. I most of mine is biblical based. Now I have some non horror stories that are that are on my Facebook page. Uh, but they're all kind of. I wrote one called "The Last Trial," and it's about people who die and go before God and get judged. So that's kind of my genre, just Christian. No, I know, I know there's but quite I, a gap between your when you wrote Devil's Dump to Satan's Loophole. I, know, I imagine that was because of the circumstances we mentioned earlier. Right. Uh, it, Satan's Loophole was written two months after I published Devil's Dump. But things happened. I had some surgeries. I had some illnesses and other things happened. And so I didn't get back to uh, having it proofread and stuff until about September of 2018. And then I worked on you know, it's not easy to find people to proofread. No, it's it, it, it's quite a specialised job, isn't it? Yes. Well, a preacher actually ended up proofreading Satan's loophole. Well, that must have been interesting. And all my <laughs> facts were correct. Yeah. He likes it. He can't wait for the third book. That's good. That's good. I like the little expert you gave me. I'm gonna. Is it okay if I read it? Yeah, it's fine. Right, this is an excerpt from Satan's Loophole. After Slade left, he was sure no one else was watching. Joshua turned and walked out of the swamp. He laid down all his supplies and headed towards a secret place and knew that Sam had built without telling anyone. As he approached, he sensed the place was empty. But he knew that Sam would be checking in very soon. After all, he had a job to do. His current employer would not take well to failure. Joshua made his way inside the short passageway. Because he knew it still wasn't safe to be out in the open. Where he might be seen. It was important, at least for now, that Lucifer believed that nobody survived. Except for those Sam took out through the swamp. He took... One item from his backpack before hiding it in a cubby hole. Now he transferred it from inside his jacket into his right hand. He entered the secret underground room and sat to wait for Sam. While he waited, he wondered when Slade had figured it out. They have to talk about when Joshua returned to the hospital. It would appear they both might have been keeping secrets. Joshua only had to wait for a few hours before Sam arrived, since he was deep. Standing deep in the shadows, Sam didn't immediately see him as he concentrated on hiding several guns and other weapons from the bag in the cupboard behind those food items. Sam was prepared in case he found any of the warriors alive. He had searched and couldn't find anywhere they could have gone. They hadn't even used the tunnels he helped build. 
He, it was then he turned from closing the cupboard. He noticed Joshua, who was now standing in the centre of the room. For an instant, he wasn't sure how to react. When a grin filled his face, he walked over, over, uh, over to embrace the boy. As Sam approached him, Joshua stepped back. I know it was you, Sam. With a look of bewilderment, Sam said, You know it was me, what? You are, you are our betrayer. You are our Judas. Joshua, how can you say that? I have been with you and your dad from the beginning. I never betray you. I'm here now because I'm hoping I could find some trace of you and the others. When we searched earlier, everyone was confounded by the fact we couldn't locate any bodies. Joshua took in a deep breath and slowly excelled. In the time he took him to do that, Sam realised his mistake. He hadn't asked what's about Mark, and he hadn't come from the swamp. But most of all, he said that he hadn't found any bodies, when in reality they had. Just now, none of the believers' bodies. He also implied he was part of the they. Then it was also struck him that Joshua shouldn't even know about this place. He reached Joshua's left hand to reveal that what he was holding. It was a golden dagger covered in jewels. Though he tried to not be nonchalant and pretend he didn't know what the dagger was or where it came from, he was beginning to feel fear. What are we going to do, Joshua? Kill me? Don't You don't have, have it in you to kill another person. Before he even stopped speaking, Joshua stepped forward and plunged the dagger deep into Sam's heart. You're right, I'm never going to kill another person, but I can easily kill a demon. I found some body in a shack out in the swamp months ago. When the dagger reached the perfect depth, the creatures turned to dust. It was scattered by the wind, which shouldn't have, have existed inside the cave. Joshua left the building after retrieving the weapons. They might need them in the days to come. When he reached the hidden entrance to the tunnel, he turned and surveyed the land. And once he'd been his home, his eyes finally settling on the angel sanctuary. He spoke to the empty shell. We will survive. We will be victorious. A devil's dump will soon be known as Emmanuel God is with us. He turned, entered the tunnel, and headed towards wherever God might have in store for him next. And that is the end of that excerpt, which Sherry kindly shared with me. actually the ending of Devil's Dump. I just included it at the beginning of Satan's Loophole, so people who had read Devil's Dump wouldn't feel lost. And I think that's important, because sometimes some people can read the second book before they read the first book. It's quite common. There's nothing unusual about that. Yeah, so I just wanted to give a little background information, because uh, this actually takes... The Satan's loophole actually picks up four years later. So it's they not, go into hiding for four yeah, years. Yeah, I read a little bit of Devil's Dump, and I quite enjoyed the style of it. And I enjoyed the little, the style you carried on with Satan's loophole as well. You've carried on exactly how you finished the first story, and you've got the characters more involved and more advanced. Yes. I also, in uh, Satan's Loophole, I have like a subplot going on. I guess every second or third chapter, 
there's a, uh, what do you call it? There's a conversation between two people. And they're trying to decide whether they want to be good or evil, whether they've done good or evil. And it's called from another place. And it's like two-thirds of the way through the book they make their decision. So everybody that's read it so far has liked that little addition. I think that I think that if it works and people other people have got your idea how you wanted to share it, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it it was fun because I actually made that couple ask based on two friends of mine, and when they read it, they said, "How in the world did you get us so exact?" That's how we talk to each other, and I just said, "I listen." If you listen, so they were, the, the characters were based on two of my real friends. I imagine they didn't mind. Pardon? I imagine they didn't mind that. No, no, they asked to be in the book. As a matter of fact, almost everybody except for the main characters uh, that ca carried over from Devil's Dump are named after people who are my actual friends or relatives because they all wanted to be in the book. So I used their names. Even used my grandparents' names as two of the angels. People get a kick out of seeing themselves in writing. Oh yes, that's very true. I'm working on the third book right now. I'm about two thirds through it, but I don't have a title for it yet. And uh, I'm kind of like didn't like the direction it was going, but I sat back and I reread it and I thought, "Wow, this is actually pretty good." <laughs> so now I got to figure out where to get how to finish it, how to go the last third of the book, how to get it done. I got I got your little bit a prologue of your first book. I just so I, and that's, this, I like this bit. I only read up to the, a little bit. Prologue. Okay. Getting to know Devil's Dump. Welcome to Devil's Dump, Texas. Population: five hundred and twenty-eight, two hundred eighty-three souls. Devil Dumps, like most lot of towns, has a history. Not so long ago, as to have been forgotten, it was a, was a huge oil town. Not huge in the way of people because the number it never went above twenty thousand one hundred and twenty residents. No, Devil's Dump was a huge cause the oil bomb boom had put them on the map as best little town to visit on the way to wherever the oil people were going on the on their way to. It had the best restaurants, the best home cooking around, whether you wanted whether it was Mexican, Chinese, French, German, or just good old fashioned American cuisine. Is considered by many to be the best place to eat in Texas. And if you wish to read more, please go out and buy the book. <laughs> yeah, it's that tells how devil how the town was originally called Blessed, and the prologue shows or tells how it became Devil's Dump. And. I, I like I like that that you've given like a little history. I can, I can I can see my see see myself in it. Sort of like, oh, I can imagine this town. Yeah, 
it's actually based on a real town in Texas on the Gulf, but I changed the name and the exact location. Oh, so. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I can uh-huh. understand that. I mean, hey. <laughs> I did live in Texas for a little while. I figured it would be too close to home if I wrote it about Ohio. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, people go, I know that place. I've been there. Yeah. Well, that's what's making the third book a little hard because they take and build a house out on Lake Erie, which is the lake right above Ohio. And uh, I'm just now getting them back to Devil's Dump, which has been renamed because of an uh, incident that if I told you about would be completely giving it away. Yeah, we won't give too much away because you want people to go out and buy the book. And we, that's, we yeah. give we give a little sample, a little feed. It's like I'll give you a sample of one of the books I wrote uh, from a book I wrote some time ago. And it's a story called. It's from a little. I've given three things to write about. OMG, dog and poo, weirdo, speed dates by Mark Anthony Rains. Why did I agree to go to a speed dating event? Aren't there not so many so for sad, desperate people looking for love? Oh my God, what that is me! I arrive at the event, which is being held at my local hall. I'm given a card by Mark, my fellow speed dates, on the following categories. Yeah, I go on a date with you. Oh no way, you weirdo! Seems a bit harsh. But it's part of the modern world we live in, the world today. I'm just despair, sitting on my table, waiting my ten minutes to get in the know of potential future love. I hear the bell. Or the ring of the bell. Let the fun begin. Whoopee! My first lady, called Margaret, is chatting about her job, which I gather is collecting the bags of dog poo from the council bins. I do find this a bit off-putting. I put down no way you do on my card, and I go through several ladies, each and as interesting as a plastic bag. Beating is a massive fail, so I thought I, I, I thought as I was leaving. That's just a short story. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta leave people wanting more. Oh yeah. I do put excerpts every once in a while on my blog. Just to uh, whet the appetite. I got. A, I wrote a little horror story called "Awake." Being afraid of being awake, buried alive, is known as tapophobia. Being buried alive is being is a fear of being placed in a grave or being still alive as a result of being incorrectly pronounced dead. I wait to find myself confined in an oblong box. It's dark as a plutonium sky. My breathing is becoming shallower. I become stressed out. I remember from my training as a doctor that average resting adult, their body will con- convert oxygen at a rate of about 550 litres per day or 23 litres per an hour. That means I have in the coffin seven hours to make a, make a move deep down in my subconscious. I realise after all my screaming and panicking, my carbon dioxide is replacing the last dregs of my life, bringing oxygen. I begin to experience blackouts. I slip into a coma. My heart stops beating. I am dead. My murderer at first thought about tossing me into an empty grave, but thought it was not gruesome enough death. My murderer thought it would be better to bury me alive. It's so simple to do by spiking my drink to knock me out. Then place my body in the back seat of the car and drive into a remote location. My murderer makes sure to bury me about 2,755 litres of soil on top of you. A sweet, 
369 pounds of dirt, which, while not breaking any of my bones, then the murderer imagines the weight of the dirt, still, while slowly constricting my chest, making it harder to breathe. And things start to go fuzzy, oxygen is short supply, and mouth and nostrils will fill with soil, making breathing and air available between particles impossible. I will be dead. End of story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is, uh, I've got claustrophobia really bad, so that's not something I would want to think about. <laughs> I, I sort of like, try, as you can see, I try to put a little bit of humour in my stories because I think it works. I can see humour in your style of writing as well because it is in there. Yeah. You've got little, little bits I can think, oh, I can see. You've, you've sort of like gently prodded at me and think, oh, I can see. There's a little bit of humour there between the between the dialogue. Well, you have to give them, it can't all be tragic. <laughs> no, it get very boring, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know I'm the author, but I think the third, I think, Satan's loophole was better than Devil's Dump, and I think the third book is better than both of those two. But yeah, but and that, I introduce new characters. Yeah, but that's an important thing. I, have, I think you have to write your first book to get the first book out the way, because the first book I always think is the hardest. Right. The first book I wrote was a book with a friend of mine. It's called Cartoon Occult Martial Arts. That's the first book I ever wrote. <laughs> yeah, is it as weird yeah. as it sounds? <laughs> yeah. Well, I wrote a lot of like short books, short novels that are that novellas or whatever you call them. They're not. I might combine some of my shorter work into one book, like an anthology or whatever you call it. My tongue's twisting today. <laughs> uh, you know, like a collection of shorter stories that wouldn't stand alone as a complete novel. But yeah. I enjoy writing. Well, I think it's good for your soul. Yep. And, as and you I don't plan. You never plan. You don't, I don't You don't plan ahead. No. No. I just decided, uh, no, actually, when things happen to my main characters, it surprises me as much as uh, I hope it surprises the reader. Because I, I make no notes, except once I've given somebody a name, I'll keep a list of what the names are and whether they're good or evil. But other than that, and then I research to make you know some biblical stuff to make sure it's right some geographic stuff to make sure it's right. But other than that, I just sit down and start writing. No outlines, nothing. No, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm sort of writing a similar style. I, I sometimes get inspired by a story, and uh, at the moment I'm writing a zombie book, because I've always wanted to write a zombie book. So that's what I've done. Oh. I've always wanted to write one. I thought, I don't care if it's not very good, but as long as I've wrote one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, obviously, I've tried well, you to. Can have the 
You can't. You got to write about zombies because it's probably the easiest. You can put them in any situation you like, because you, you, that's the whole promise of a uh, zombies. It's like you've got commercialism. You've got the the. Uh, you can do one about the the end of the world because of global warming. You can you can put them anywhere you like. Right. Well, I have some reanimation in my in Satan's loophole. People who were killed off in the first book uh, are reanimated by Satan in the second book, but they're not zombies. I mean, they talk like themselves, they walk like themselves. It's just they don't really exist. Yeah, because obviously Satan's got that power to do that, isn't it? Yeah, because he can't get back life, but he can reanimate something, you know, for a while. Yeah, sort of it's like. Uh, a superpower, but not a superpower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I like the way you got you, you described the devil as as Lucifer character, rather than you've, you've sort of like made him like uh, how you would think he might be. Well, as the fallen angel, Satan is Lucifer. Hmm. And Lucifer was one of the first created angels, and he was one of the most strikingly handsome of all the angels. And uh, it went to his head, and he decided that he was equal to God. And then he rebelled, and uh, he didn't like humans. And in the beginning, God made him watch Earth over the humans. So, I mean, it's... He didn't like being subservient to God. But he, he's known by a lot of names. Lucifer just happens to be the name God gave him. Yeah, I always got this... Is what he I've always got this vision that they they are playing like a game of chess. And like, one day they play, they play the game of chess and they're playing for our souls. You know, who's... Got, who's Whose turn is it this week to um uh, to have the souls? You know, like that. Well, in in actuality, <laughs> uh, who belongs to God? God's not ever going to let let go. The ones out here who won't make a commitment to God, okay, they're fair game for Satan, and they got to make the decision: are they belong to him? Because it's like in Revelations where Jesus says, "Don't straddle the fence. I don't. I'd rather you be hot or cold, not just sit in the middle." And there's actually a character in in Satan's loophole who does just that. He's a he's an angel, but he's not taking God's side, and he's not taking Satan or Lucifer's side, and he's trying to ride the fence. <laughs> So I brought that out in the book also. Uh, mm. Well, I, I also have a, I have a, I, I, on my sideline, I do like a bit of horror hosting. So that's why I like, I, I've been into horror for a long time since the old days of Hammer, Hammer Horror films. Yeah, I like horror films a lot. Uh, and uh, uh werewolf frankenstein yeah 
uh, American Werewolf in London. I'm not really big on the zombie movies. Well, you're like my you're like my you're like my horror host. It's I I I dress up in a wolf's mask. <laughs> I do honestly. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you a link of me doing a story. Okay. I got on YouTube, and you can just say, "Okay, this guy's a little bit weird. Why did I go on his show? I must have had a bad day that day." <laughs> It's what makes us unique, is our weirdness. We've got to be a bit weird. I think, I think being a writer, you have to be a little bit odd. Yes. Yes. Uh, do you know who Jerry Lewis is? Yes. The comedian? Yes, I do. Know, yeah. Okay. Uh, he was very pathos, you know, falling and jumping and, you know, always playing tricks on people. And someone came up and asked him once why he didn't go see a psychiatrist or a doctor to help him over what happened in his childhood, because that's what made him what he was. And he says, if I go let a doctor help me, I'm not going to be funny anymore. So he, he used what hurt him to make him the comedian he was. I think you can, yeah, um, most comedians can relate to that, because you have to have a bit... Oh, that's why comedians make, make most of them make very good actors, because there's a fine line between right. tragedy and comedy anyway. Uh huh. But virtually yeah. the same. Well, see, I tried. Yeah, carry on. Go ahead. I was going to say the both. I was just saying I my tragedies to come out in my books. Yeah. Well, as I say, I haven't talked about what happened to you because I didn't think that was. I didn't want to push that because I thought you don't really know me. If you don't like talking about certain things, I don't talk about them. Right. I'm just saying everything we've experienced brings us to who we are right now today. I turned 70 years old yesterday. Well, happy birthday to you. Thank you. But I'm saying it took me, it's why I don't think people should give up on dreams because I published my first book at 68 so you can do it it may take you a lifetime to get there but you can do it exactly and never give up on your dream even i i've exactly. sold the great sum of two books but i'm great glad i've sold two books i was, the first book i sold i've made 79p but to me, that 79p means everything, because it means I sold a book. Yep. It's the greatest That's the best thing about it. Yeah. It's a great feeling is that somebody else likes your stuff. <laughs> yes. The, you know, the, when I looked online and on Amazon and saw the first book was sold, and I was like, yes, I didn't care about it with my sister who bought it. <laughs> But then other people bought it. I mean, it's not a big seller. Except Satan's Loophole did hit uh, number 74 on the bestsellers list under Christian Suspense. Well, so that was a good achievement. It's well, yeah. not there now, but it did reach that at one point. Well, achievement's achievement. Never knock it. I mean, oh, you... I'm not. I took a picture of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Some. I mean... Uh... 
I, uh, I, yeah, that's why I was so pleased. I, I was like to my wife, I said, look, I sold a book, I sold a book. I said, okay, okay. <laughs> I thought, I've only, I've got about 15 books out there. You know, mostly horror. Uh, I've done one about time travel. That's a bit different. I've done about haunted uh, Devon and haunted Cornwall, because I, I like paranormal as well. Yeah. I do too. Uh, Doctor Who, that was one of my favourites. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you depends on which Doctor you're on about, because there have been so many generations of them now. Well, I don't like the woman. Well, it's a bit controver- it is a bit of a controversial one. But I think, you know, it's hard to take over a role when it's mostly been a man, so it, it's difficult. Yeah, now I didn't like the older guy at first, but he grew on me. Well, yeah. It's... But the two just before him, I really liked. Yeah, yeah. If you like one, you sort of like watch every episode. But it's one you don't like, you think, right. oh, I won't bother today. <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched, well, I, one with the woman. I saw a part of one. But it's just like, oh, here they are messing with. Uh, it's like making Superman, Superwoman. You know? <laughs> I was going to say, you're like me. We're both old-fashioned in our views, unfortunately. I think so. And I doubt that mine are going to change much over the next few years. Well, there's nothing wrong with admitting it. You, you are who you are. Yep. Right, yes, and if I don't like something, I'll tell you. And if I love something, I will tell you. Uh, I believe in honesty. You got to be honest with each other, or nothing works. Well, Sherry, we before we go, would you like to give any links to your books where people can go out and buy them? Yes, I would love you not only to go out and buy them and read them, but I would also really, really, really appreciate reviews because reviews are what sell books. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that. They think, well, I'll buy the book and read it, enjoy it, or not enjoy it, or whatever. But I'd like to know even if you don't enjoy it. Because once you hit, like, 20 or 25 reviews, uh, Amazon treats your book differently. Yeah, you get a higher higher chance of people finding you. Right. Exactly. So... Uh, I want people to read it. I want them to like it. If they would like to leave me feedback, I have uh, Facebook pages, a Devil's Dump page, and I've got uh, Satan's Loophole group, both on Facebook, and I have, uh, you know, you can find me on Facebook. If you want to, you'll find me on Facebook. And if they want to leave comments, I'm more than happy to answer any questions or take any feedback they have well i you know before i go i normally like to do a unique sign-off for my show now what would you unique sign-off be sherry a unique what sign-off yeah this bit just proves i'm i'm doing a show because then it goes people going uh uh what do i do uh uh uh, uh, i don't know (laughs) I don't know. You're the you're the one who 
one who does shows. I'm the one who's a guest. Um, I I don't know. Well, that's all right, Sherry. I'll do one for you. Right, are you ready, Sherry? <clears throat> yeah. Happy birthday from yesterday. It's You're only young once. You're only probably 21 again. I hope you're young in youth and young in style. Go and look at The Devil's Dump and Satan's Loophole on Amazon and give it a review. They're quite good books, you know. But be prepared to be a little bit scared and a little bit frightened. And maybe laugh a little bit as well. And enjoy the book. Yeah. Enjoy the author. And please give her feedback. Because she's such a nice lady. And she'd like to see you say, Yes, Sherry, I'll give that five stars. It was a wonderful book. Thank you very much for writing it. 